the so-called 300 billion RMB emergency fund, and that uh, uh, some of that will be on to the so-called shanty town renovation bond special mm-hmm. loans. Uh, uh, but uh, if you look at the whole sector, property sector is uh, around at least 10 trillion, uh, you know, liabilities. So for the banks and the financial system. It's uh, you know this 300 billion R&D is not uh, just uh, enough, mm. and uh, once again the 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 real estate company is the major obstacle right now. So trying to restructure the risk and also to release some risk, uh, given the special loan and bond or the emergency fund. Okay, Yan, and thank you very much indeed. That's Shannon Wu. It remains to be seen. That's Shannon Wu, chairman of Zhengrong Bell. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In the markets, uh, slight gains now. The ASX 200 in Australia up about a third of a percent. The K225 is pretty flat. Uh, the Cosby up about 0.1%, but it does look like the Hang Seng is going to see further losses this morning of about 180 points when the market gets going in just under an hour's time. Coming up after the news, back chat with Janice Wong and Mike Rouse. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. The weather forecast, it's going to be fine. Isolated showers, very hot once again. Uh, the maximum temperature about 34 degrees in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. That very hot weather warning is still in force. It's going to remain very hot tomorrow. Uh, showers and thunderstorms in the middle and latter parts of this week. The temperature right now is 30 degrees, 72% relative humidity. Coming up to 8.32, here's Andrew Shirosky with the half-hour news. Thank you, Peter. The Hong Kong Rugby Union, which organizes the Hong Kong Sevens, says it expects there will be fewer overseas visitors to the tournament this year, given the city's quarantining of arrivals. But the union's chief executive, Robbie McRobbie, says he anticipates strong local demand for the event, which takes place in November for the first time since 2019. Mr. McRobbie said the event would be COVID compliant, meaning under current rules, venue capacity is capped at 85 percent. People must wear masks when not eating and drinking. He also said international teams supported being in a closed loop system. Clearly, the COVID mitigation measures um, are expensive. There's no getting away from from that. The closed loop model um, does involve uh, taking over an entire quarantine hotel um, for the duration of the of the stay of the teams. Uh, so there, there are significant costs that will be incurred through that. Um, look, we, we we wouldn't have pushed the button if we we weren't confident that we can that it is it, both feasible and affordable to go ahead. But um, yes, we will continue to to engage with with the government over the coming weeks to see how they can they can help supporters. The Center for Health Protection says nearly 1,500 people with COVID are now being treated at public hospitals, 12 of whom are in intensive care. With more patients on wards, the chief manager at the hospital authority, Gladys Kwan, said they're stepping up testing requirements for staff. For our staff now, apart from the daily rapid antigen test, they have to have the PCR test twice every week. And we already covered those colleagues who are taking care of the high-risk group patients. And these plans will continue to expand. So starting from next week, we are going to cover all the A&E colleagues, as well as those who are outreach to those residential uh, resident homes. So we will review the effectiveness and see if we can further expand. Health authorities reported 4,634 new COVID cases yesterday. 
The American actress Nichelle Nichols, best known for playing Lieutenant Uhura on the original 60s Star Trek series, has died at the age of 89. She was one of the first black actresses on American television to play a figure of authority and help make history in the 1968 episode when she kissed the white captain of Starship Enterprise, played by William Shatner. The BBC's Nick Hyam reports. It wasn't the first interracial kiss on American television. There'd been at least two earlier ones, but Nichelle Nichols' clinch with William Shatner made the biggest impact, helping to overturn taboos and challenge the racial attitudes that permeated American television and American society at large. Reputedly, she'd wanted to quit Star Trek after its first series. She was dissuaded by no less a figure than the civil rights leader, Martin Luther King, who told her she was too important as a role model for young black women. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Janice Wong and my co-host today is Mike Rouse. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Janice. On today's Back Chat, we're talking about stage safety in the wake of the shocking accident at the Mirror Concert on Thursday. A massive screen hanging from the ceiling at the Hong Kong Coliseum came loose and crashed down on the stage during the show, striking two dancers. One was badly hurt and is said to be at risk of permanent paralysis, while the other escaped with minor injuries. Preliminary investigations suggest one of the two metal cords holding up the giant screen snapped, and the government says large-scale stage sets may be banned for now, pending the outcome of a safety investigation into this incident. So what's your reaction to the accident? What more can be done to protect performers on stage? After 9.15, we'll speak to the Sports Commissioner on the return of the Hong Kong Rugby Sevens in November, for the first time since 2019. Let us know your thoughts, your questions and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat at RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us, of course, and our number is 23388266. Now, to kick off our discussion this morning, we have on the line Robert Rogers, a certified special event professional. Also with us is Louis Sito, a former chairman of the Hong Kong Institution of Engineers Mechanical Marine Naval Architecture and Chemical Division. Good morning to the both of you and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Um, let's start with you, Mr. Sito. Uh, how rare would you say this incident is? Yeah, well, what we know is this is a quite um, very serious incident. Uh, initially, we need to in consideration the designs of the stage and all the building and living appliances. As well as, you know, that some of the uh, performers, like the singer, they will step on the, uh, what we call a stages. The stages will rise up. Then it will be according to the uh, uh, LSD requirement. So that every time when you show why they are uh, stepping up higher without all the railing uh, outside. Because you will see the performer, the singer, they, when the stage is rising is up, they always stay in the middle. Because all around one meter is a safety show for the, for the person to step on the upper. And this, this, is, uh, also, uh, this is also for the, for the performer. He can easily uh, seen by the audience if we just surround it for all the railing. Then we cannot see the performer uh, on the high level. Right. But somehow, when it is an up and right, 
it is only for one person. Then you will see that they were all surrounded with safety gap and with the safety belt as well. Right. For this case, uh, because uh, we need to, to take in consideration what is a competent person path. Everybody is, uh, nowadays, they think that engineer, registration engineer, and registration professional engineer, they are all in the same caliber and same um, academic. But somehow, you know, um, what we need to identify the competent person is that engineer is that he educated and exercises engineering work, and he joined the HKIE, because HIE is a non-profit uh, learned and professional society. So they will pass him through those uh, uh, interview assessment and become a member. Then you call yourself engineer. Right. Mr. Sito, yeah. I just want to ask you about uh, the initial investigation. Uh, so far, it suggests that one of the two metal cords holding the giant screen snapped during the concert under existing regulations that you're talking about. Is, it, uh, uh, is something like that easily preventable? Yeah, but it depends on when they set up those stages. Uh, it is certified by um, appropriate person or competent person that is stipulated in the rules and regulations of um, the, the LTSB. Right. But Mr. Cedar, I'm sorry, good morning. Um, yeah. This is pretty basic. You have something strong enough to hold up a piece of equipment. Correct. It, it failed. Yeah, I mean, correct. it's but, pretty simple know. calculation, isn't it? The weight and, yeah. uh, and the length of the cord yeah. and, and yeah. how high up. But there may be something trigger this incident because those material is a new one or reused material. First thing, and the second thing is that when they do this design, do they actually think of the calculation and do they do the do the test? Because uh, uh, to my understanding, these, uh, the the screen is not only leap up and down; it's also swinging. Right, which adds to the pressure, so, adds so to the we force. Need to, we need to take in consideration, is there any fixing device got a problem that triggers the broken of the wire? Or is it the, 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 some sort of a hanger that's like a shackle or, or, some, or, or, or both is causing damage and then dropping the, uh, the, the one side of the screen down? And then it is good that there are two uh, length of cable strong enough to reduce the, uh, the fast falling down of the screen. Otherwise, the patient, uh, is the, the victim, even, even worse. Right. Now, Mr. And then you see that uh, one thing is that the stages is not being damaged by the falling screen. This is one of the things uh, we need to investigate and see what is the outcome. Right. Now, now, Mr. Rogers, you've been in the business of managing and producing big live events for decades. Have you seen anything even close to what happened at the Mirror concert last Thursday? Well, so, you know, within live events, um, there is always risk. Uh, there, there is always all sorts of accidents. So, I mean, even in Hong Kong, we've had uh, the Lang Kwai Fong tragedy. There was in Taiwan, there was the, uh, the, the fire at the... Um, uh, at the outdoor event that they were having there at the water park. Things do happen. Uh, as an event manager, our 
main goal is to look after the safety and well-being of all of our stakeholders, including the audience and everybody involved within it. Um, you know, but sometimes, as due to human error usually, um, you know, nasty events do, do happen. So, so what problems do you think uh, the accident at the Mirror Concerta actually highlights? So, you know, the, the, the event industry within Hong Kong is <clears throat> relatively immature compared to, say, other parts of the world. So, for instance, in the UK, they have what's called the Purple Guide. And the Purple Guide has been going since, ooh, since about 2000 or so. And the Purple Guide is basically the event safety Bible. And it goes through there and you have, you know, all different sorts of safety aspects to help with your risk management. Um, uh, in the U.S., they have lots of different uh, laws and things like that in place and different departments that, that help with that. So I used to be part of a group called the International Live Events Association Hong Kong Chapter. Uh, this was in about 2015. And one of the things that we had put to our chapter was to lobby the government in order to try and create some safety guidelines and some safety, um, uh, you know, some sort of like a, a version of the purple guide for, for Hong Kong. Um, one of our, our members were like, please don't, please don't do that. And basically the reason for that was they were really worried that if we started getting government to start making rules on it, that it might become similar to say like opening up a restaurant. So I, I don't know if you know about opening up restaurants in Hong Kong, but you have so many different departments that you have to go to that oftentimes it's just so difficult. They go ahead and they open and then they'll just pay the fines until they get the, until they uh, get the license through. Um, you know, one of the things that we would love to see, uh, we have a, have a bit of a think tank uh, that we've been working on with, with a group of us uh, for, for post-COVID. Um, one of the things that we would love to see is, you know, some support for the industry itself uh, to help us with training, to help us with, uh, you know, setting up some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of recognition, really, for the industry. I, I think a lot of people in Hong Kong especially, they, they don't quite understand how the event industry works. So the, the event industry is, is a super sub-industry that uh, is made up of hundreds of thousands of small, medium-sized enterprises uh, that all come together to create an event. And so that will be everything from your florist to your, to your lighting designers to the, the uh, suppliers for the, for the tech to the uh, uh, you know, to the, to the coordinators, to the event managers, all of those people all come together and they create, right. create the event, and then they go back. Well, Mr. Mr. Rogers, what are the requirements for safety? Is there a has there a registration? Is there a safety officer as a requirement so, of this kind of production? So within, so so there's different requirements for printing. So, for instance, if you're building a platform over. I believe it's three meters, then you need to go to the, uh, the building mechanical service department and get that signed off. You're supposed to have somebody who is, uh, as Seto was saying, supposed to have somebody who is a, uh, a qualified person. However, qualified is really subjective. Uh, there is no qualification, particularly for rigors and such, such like that. There also, in Hong Kong, we don't have any sort of hands-on training for for that sort of a job, uh, especially for you know for live events, I believe the the APA I believe they have a little bit of a you know bit of a training for 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 it in the Hong Kong uh, HKU space. We do um, uh, event management stuff for for events and festivals as far as the tourism side, but that's all more management. 
you don't have any really hands-on, this is how you hang a light, here's the safety cord for it. And when you're thinking about it, make sure that you always have the safety cord, make sure that you wear your safety harness, you know, you should always wear a hard hat. Um, yeah, no, there's, there's, it, it gets very tricky. It's, it's very piecemeal. Hi, Thomas. I didn't uh, agree to what you say. That's uh, you're you speaking to uh, Mr. Sito. You, Mr. Sito, you're speaking to Mr. Rogers. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, because uh, you see, uh, in Hong Kong, we have also uh, well-trained and experienced uh, people there. But depends on nowadays the uh, for the um, for the some of the some of the uh, experienced guys becoming older now, and the young member. Uh, they don't like mm -hmm. to join this sort of uh, uh, high-level work because, you know, it depends on uh, the people. They are scared of high-level or not. Are you scared of heights, you mean? The, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm speaking more particularly. So, so event professionals uh, are, are very highly, in most parts of the world, are very highly skilled professionals that travel around and they will do, you know, certain jobs. So, for instance, you'll have riggers, and the riggers are, uh, you know, trained for particularly for lights, for AV, uh, for working in ballrooms, for working outdoor. Yeah. And but you don't, we don't really have that in Hong Kong. We we have companies that will train people to do it because they're, but it's very hands-on. Uh, I I personally don't know of any of any event training companies. Uh, you can go to the FNIU, Labor Department, they have the training, as well as some of the high-risk sector. They also give it training as well. Also, the uh, building service uh, yes. training school, they also have this sort of training. Yes, yeah, so they have that sort of training, but, but it's more centered around uh, construction work and uh, building work, but not specifically for theater-style work. And um, what, is and difference, what, what is the major difference between the building work and the, uh, and the what you say that this is a performance that so in, in uh, mechanics are the same. Uh, so so the, the basics, the base set is the same, but the understanding of, you know, what you're setting up is often very different and will change from venue to venue. You're also setting up temporary structures, whereas in the buildings department, you're usually building more permanent structures. Uh, but, the, but the performance uh, event is only a temporary, um, uh, what direction, uh, structure. Yes. But somehow they've yes. been calculated and certified by, by the, uh, what we call the qualified person. Yes, I mean, so I, I, why I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm all right, so all right, Mr. Cito, Mr. Rogers, yeah. uh, can we get back to um, the discussion? Sure. Can I just fit in? I, I just, uh, I was just wondering uh, um, about a, a point that uh, Mr. Rogers you made earlier. You said uh, the events uh, industry is actually a quite immature in Hong Kong compared to many other places. Um, do you think uh, the COVID pandemic uh, has uh, made the situation even worse? If you're talking about an immature industry. <laughs> The, 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 uh, yes, I mean, the, the event industry in Hong Kong, especially around the world, uh, it has happened, but particularly in Hong Kong, it has just been decimated. You know, it's been over 600 days that, uh, we have not been allowed to have, you know, live event, live performances in, uh, in venues, except for, you know, LCSD venues were, are, were okay, but generally speaking, in most venues, um, many, 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 uh, 
people that were working in Hong Kong for many years have all left to go off to Dubai, to go off to the UK, to go off to different places to, to work because, you know, they, they just couldn't afford to live in Hong Kong anymore. Um, yeah, it's one of, the, one of the things that we've been discussing is um, within our, our group is when we open back up, we, we have a bit of a fear in that uh, when we open back up, uh, things are suddenly going to get really hot. There's going to be like more jobs than anybody can handle because everybody's going to be going, hooray, yes, let's have a party. But there won't be the qualified staff to be able to, to, to do that, to deliver to right. deliver the events both, both safely as well as, you know, quality-wise. So it could be like the airports in Europe now. You suddenly go from yes. zero to mass entertainment and it's the staffing yes, issue there. Absolutely, absolutely. We're, we're, we're very... And, you know, we're not, not, we're not just in the safety-wise, but in the... Uh, you know, in the in the the cultural side of you know the, the creative side, um, in in yeah, in the manpower and the people that so you know all of the people that for instance will load in. So we, in in a say smaller event in a hotel, you know, for maybe just a corporate corporate event with presentations and stuff, you'll have about you know fifty fifty to sixty event staff that would be in there pushing boxes, setting stuff up. Uh, pushing buttons, uh, doing stage managing, helping with you know the the entertainment. Most of those people were all freelance people, and unfortunately, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of support for the freelancers within, uh, you know, within or all around the world. Uh, but especially in Hong Kong, it's been it's been a struggle for us. But this kind of pop concert has been going on for decades in Hong Kong. I, I don't remember anything on mm. this scale going wrong. A basic piece of equipment falling down. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and and like I say, it's you know, we I I, I certainly hope that that, that dancer recovers. Um, uh, it's it's you know, it's incredibly sad when things like this happen. Um, but it is you know, if you look around at live events, things do happen, uh, and usually, the worst thing that happen is because of, of human error. Somebody didn't anticipate, you know, the wind that was going to be blowing through that day or somebody didn't anticipate, didn't, you know, forgot to hang that extra, extra clip on, on the light and the light fell down on somebody's head. Um, All right. And, uh, you know, things do happen. Mr. Cito, what do yeah. you think of the uh, problem Mr. Rogers is talking about? He said uh, um, he, he's concerned that once uh, um, maybe the COVID pandemic is over and uh, every and then places open up, um, the industry or event industry or maybe other industry won't be able to handle the demand. Um, you know, uh, COVID is one of the helmet is one of the issues. But somehow, you know, in Hong Kong, uh, for for this sort of uh, incident. Uh, we don't want to happen, but somehow, when do the direction and do the uh, installation or assembly, we need to take care carefully consideration, and uh, the uh, the supervisor should be go and try to look at it. And because you know, we need to look at safety, safety of people, safety of assets, safety of environment, and as well as their own reputation. So we don't want to see these sort of things happening in Hong Kong. But however, when you look at safety, safety, um, you know, some of the potential hazards is still there. Like uh, many years ago in, in Taiwan, when we have an open event, and someone just uh, put the powder on 
and and use a, a, a lighter flash and then make a big fire. So that's the thing that we cannot, we, uh, uh, we don't know the people, how they think. But because you know that when they have a, a feeling, well, it is uh, happy that you want to make more uh, gimmick there. Right. So, Mr. Cedar, that was somebody trying something new, something different. Yeah. This screen hanging from the ceiling, that's pretty routine. Um, and you're quite right, it's not just the weight and the, and the length of, of yeah. cord. You mentioned the point that it, the screen moved, and that yeah. puts extra stress on the, on the cable. I, we understand that, but somebody must have certified that that was a safe thing to do, that the cable was safe. A qualified engineer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's that's where that's where you know the insurance will be certainly looking, and that's where the investigation will be looking quite close. I'd like to add another factor that that we see a lot in the event industry is the commodification of events. So a lot of people are constantly saying, you know, can I get it cheaper? Can I get it cheaper? Can you know my budget? I don't have a budget for that, but I need you know I need it bigger. Mm. Um, and 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 when you start to do that, and you start to commodify things, and you know, it's not a can of beans. You're you're not just buying, you know, A brand or B brand. You're you're buying people, and you're buying their their skill. And so often, if you start to cut your budgets too tight, and you know, try to make trying to make more money off it or whatever, then often what happens is the quality goes down. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes. Very sadly, that you know that. Do we need more regulation of the whole event industry? I believe that we need more training, more skills, skills added to people. We also need more uh, a general support and and recognition of the event industry. So currently, within the the event industry, we fall. You know, like I say, the the event industry is a super sub industry. We and we're massive, but nobody quite realizes how big we are. So if you get Hong Kong, you have you've got weddings, you have uh, annual dinners, company banquets, uh, um, uh, corporate events, you have uh, tourism events, you have mega events, you have concerts. All of these things, there's hundreds of events happening every single day. However, the event industry gets kind of put under lots of different headings. So, you know, the the, the tourism events or the the uh, exhibitions and conventions fall under one area. Weddings will be looked at as another area. Corporate things will be looked at as another area. And so under the different government departments, you know, we, we are sort of covered under different areas. But nobody really recognizes the event industry as being as large, as substantial, and, you know, contributing as much as it does to the Hong Kong economy. Um, but I feel if we had a bit more support, if we had more training, if we had some, some guidelines, uh, if, you know, we started to get the event asking the event industry what we as an industry could do to make ourselves better, it would help us to join, uh, to join together to, you know, make the event safer. All right. Uh, Mr. Rogers, I just want to go back to the point you made um, earlier about how uh, um, the uh, event industry may not be able to uh, meet uh, the demand uh, once uh, uh, the COVID pandemic is over and uh, people want to uh, party more or go to concerts more. Um, what sort of dangers are there if uh, the industry cannot meet this demand? Yeah. Well, uh, a, lot of it, a lot of it will be timelines. Uh, so, you know, people will say, right, we're having an event next week. And you're like, that's just impossible. You know, people just just the fact of 
trying to create the, the collateral for it, they the get the invitations out. It, just the management side uh, is, is one thing. On the safety side, I mean, that is something that we would have to look at is, is, is we might see more, more accidents like this simply because of manpower shortages. You don't have the, the, the qualified people to, uh, you know, to, to do the job uh, because everybody may be because they're, they're cutting budgets. So, so, you know, all of these fact, different factors will, will, you know, will affect us. As to what we can do about it, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're going to do our best. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> Mr. Cesar, what do you yeah. think? I mean, what, what can I mean just briefly? What, what do you think oh, can be done well, to prevent uh, uh, what uh, Mr. Rogers is talking about? Yeah, what what we looked at, I shared, I, I shared with um, training is one of the must items. But however, uh, we need to take in consideration of those uh, uh, design of the UN uh, professional. You know, sometimes they want to just want to make a team and try to uh, bypass some of the rules and regulations, so it is difficult to, to, to find out. So uh, what we need to do is that just, uh, we need to strengthen the, the core practice, that means the rules and regulations to govern what is the standard and we should adopt to which uh, audience. Is that all? That the uh, individual department, they take their own. All right, so Mr. Sito. All right, yeah. Mr. Sito. We'll have to take a short break for the news. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, Louis Sito, a former chairman of the Hong Kong Institution of Engineers, Mechanical, Marine, Naval, Architecture, and Chemical Division. Many thanks also to Robert Rogers, a certified special event professional. Now, if you want to ask questions or just share your views on today's topic, remember you can give us a call. Our number is two three three eight eight two six six. And uh, now a quick look at the weather. It'll be fine and very hot. Right now it's uh, thirty degrees, relative humidity. 67%. Idols and a powerful voice for social justice has died at the age of 88. The announcement, which was made in, social, in a social media post, also said his wife Janine was by his side when he passed away. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Monday morning with Mike Rouse and me, Janice Wong. This morning, we're talking about stage safety in the wake of the shocking accident at the Mirror Concert on Thursday. Joining our discussion now, we have psychiatrist Dr. Mei Lam, who is the chair of the Hong Kong Mental Wellness Association, and Sonic Lee, a representative from the Hong Kong Theatre Arts Practitioners Union. Good morning to both of you, and uh, thanks for joining us on the program. Um, let's go to you first, Mr. Lee. Many people were obviously shocked and traumatized by the accident. Have many of your members been speaking to you about the accident? Yeah, morning. Uh, we have many members talking about this all the time. All the time? Not just uh, yeah. because of the... Uh, no, you mean talking not about... Not just one day. We talk about it a few days, maybe today morning. We are still talking about it. Right. So uh, how, how worried are they about their safety? I don't think they are overly worried about their safety. So far, they are very professional, and it's not often that something like this happens before. Right. So of course, um, there are lots of pressure in organizing concerts. Is it, uh, is it usually easy for performers, such as dancers, to air their concerns about um, safety at these events? I think this is a very good question. Basically, the performers, such as musicians and dancers, can easily express their difficulties on the stage when they are facing some difficulties. Um, for the performers, they, we have 
100% trust in the backstage under the premise that everyone is a professional. So we usually ask technical questions only, such as um, not being able to hear the music clearly or not having enough light. But for the safety part, we we I we we never we never asked it before. Yeah, you never asked before because you didn't need to. Yeah. Do you think yeah, the industry is? We trust them. We trust them as a professional. Does it need more regulation, or is it about right? This is just a a one-off accident. Uh, up front. Well, do you think we need to regulate more, or we, the situation is basically okay? This was just a one-off accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, it's very okay before this accident. All right. And the uh, Secretary for Culture, Sports and Tourism, Kevin Young, he, he said uh, concert organisers uh, may be barred from installing uh, large stage sets until the completion of the investigation into the Mirror concert accident. Uh, does that make you feel um, better or, or safer? Mm, the union considered is common is inappropriate. The stage accident was still to our regulatory loopholes, not because someone was dancing and performing in the value. If the government can only allow the performance to give um, such like quiet um, performance, it is shifting the responsibility to the dancers. This means that the government is not able to monitor the value effectively. So it will not make us feel better or safer. All right, uh, let's uh, bring in uh, Dr. Lam and good morning to you. Oh, good morning. Good morning. So, so um, Mr. Lee just told us uh, some of his members uh, are still talking about the event. Um, um, what do you think of uh, this kind of response? It's normal. Do do some of them need to seek uh, professional help? Right. Okay. Now, I think like um, for those, I mean, we can look into um, like the various of people. Like for those who were there on that night, including the audiences or the performers, like the dancers. I think that there must be some impact on them because I think like for the audience and for the dancers is all unpredictable and quite sudden. I mean, if you can remember, there are so long that we haven't had a you know, concert. And, you know, the concert is, is by one of the most popular, um, you know, that, I mean, like, um, uh, you know, the, the popular band there. And then like um, the, the atmosphere changed from a very uh, euphoric, a very excited, all of a sudden with the accident happened. So the, uh, the impact there is strong. Now, I think it's not uncommon for people who experience this kind of sudden, unexpected, what we call trauma. They might, you know, um, have developed what we call acute stress reaction, and which is actually quite common and normal, which lasts for days or, you know, hours and days, including like uh, unable to sleep, you know, uh, a sense of helplessness, you know, get quite irritable and, you know, um, with uh, physical symptoms like, um, you know, a palpitation, like heart beating fast and also some sweating and also like um, some, some tremor. However, for a small number of those, I think overall less than 10% might develop what we call, you know, post um, a PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. I think like the impact will go to those who are physically there, including the audiences and the performers. And also for those, like um, those people who observed like the clips, the video clips from you know, the TV and from, you know, other things. So I think it's very important for, you know, for, for, for all of us, for the public and also for those people who, who were actually there to be aware of the emotion. Like, uh, I think, like, it is important to know that it's kind of normal 
uh, like um, for the initial few days, you know, to have this kind of reaction. However, if it lasts for longer, you know, uh, you know, and then you know, you might need to uh, talk to your friends and talk to other people, and then like, um, of course, after talking to people, if the symptoms do, you know, uh, persist, and and then like, if you have symptoms of anxiety, depression, it might be, you know, um, you know, you you, mm. you you need to seek help to call for professional help, mm. and there are a lot of you know um, helplines there that you know. You can talk to counselor or psychiatrist or psychologist, you, you know, Doc, to help with those symptoms. Doctor Lam, yes, good please. morning. I, I, I'm, if I were a dancer, yes. I or a performer, I might be quite worried that, you know, I'd be having an eye out next time I, I have a job to make mm-hmm. sure that the the set is safe. What struck me in the aftermath of this one was the impact on the audience and people coming out and saying that they were traumatized yes. even though they they weren't on the stage they weren't anywhere in, in any danger at all mm-hmm. is that quite common right okay now this is what we call like um acute stress reaction and also like might have a chance as what i said before less than 10 percent of people might develop what we call ptsd now i think witnessing as what happened it itself can be very traumatized so like because for those people who went to see the concert you know they're very excited they were very much look forward to this concert after so long that you know all the concerts stopped you know i think in a split of seconds the very you know excited and then also then changed to you know um a trauma you know this what happened i think initially people were puzzled they didn't know what was happening and then, you know, eventually they need to uh, digest the information. I think for the acute stress reaction, you know, and also might develop to some PTSD, you know, sometimes they get this uh, feeling of very numb, you know, they didn't know what was going on. And for some people, they even couldn't mention about what happened. And these are the common symptoms of, you know, acute stress reaction right. and Do- might also develop in PTSD. Dr. Lam, you're talking about some of these symptoms. You said uh, some yeah. some people who were at the concert or who watched a video clip, uh, they uh, maybe they uh, couldn't sleep well after the accident. Yeah. And some did. Uh, I, well, some people who told uh, who spoke who I spoke to said they felt a tightness in their chest. Um, yeah. And this these these may be symptoms you're talking about related to the acute stress uh, reaction. Um, yeah. Under what situation do people need to seek uh, professional help, or, or should they All just right. wait for these symptoms to go away by themselves? Sure. Now, if these kind of symptoms, if um, they're persistent, if they're severe enough to affect the daily function, like persistent enough, I mean, like, if it lasts for more than two weeks, and then if they have impact on their daily function, meaning that they find it very difficult to concentrate at work, they get so socially withdrawn, you know, functioning, including occupational functioning or, you know, uh, interaction with other people's social functioning, you know, if they're not able to sleep for longer than two weeks, I think it's about time to seek help, like because uh, you know what ha- whatever happens to you, you're never alone. You can talk to your friends and family, and also like uh, if symptoms still persist, then you can seek help from uh, you know counselling service. There are a lot of helplines that can set up in the community can help you. I think for the public, it's important for us. You know, I I, I think this is very important. This is what everyone talks about, but not to you know uh, pass on the video clips because people can get secondary uh, traumatized by you know looking at the video clip. Now for those people, maybe it's protective for them not to mention about the accident and not, not to, I, I think there's no point pushing that because 
psychological numbness itself is a protective mechanism for those people who could not comprehend the information as yet. So, you know, um, psychologically, they will just, you know, uh, you know, suppress that kind of memory. So there is no point to pushing yeah. the information. It's a very interesting us, observation you know, about yeah. the circulating on social media. I, I received yes. at least three times Me too. film film of the <laughs> yeah, screen falling yeah. down. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's very, very important not to do so. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to Mr. Lee for a moment. Mr. Lee, um, did any of your, your members uh, tell you about their symptoms? I mean, did, were they having difficulty sleeping or did they feel stress? I mean, did they experience any symptoms uh, that uh, Dr. Lam mentioned just now? Um, for our unions, um, our members are afraid about facing what if we have some information but we cannot talk about this because um, our industry is very small. When we have some information, uh, we maybe um, know why it happens and, and what can improve, but we're afraid to talk about this. So the pressure is not just about the accident. It's about, I, I, I cannot do anything. I feel very powerless and I'm very useless. Mm. So um, how to improve the safety um, for the performers and the stage it's a very important issue we need to talk it about in the future. Right, because if they complain too much, they might not get a job exactly, for the next exactly, event. Yeah. All right. So, so in your view, uh, Mr. Lee, what do you think uh, should be done to help uh, improve the uh, safety of performers? I think there is two points we can talk about this. One is about the safety design. Uh, if there is a double safety design for our machine, for our design, then it will very important for everyone and the second one is review the existing monitoring mechanism is it uh, any loopholes still here um, we need to face about it and in a very short time to protect everyone no matter the performance or the audience Right, and uh, let's go back to uh, Dr. Lam. Um, earlier you said uh, people who still feel unwell uh, after this accident for for a while, they can uh, contact uh, different organizations. And I know there was a Red Cross hotline set up after the accident, but that uh, service has already ended. Um, are there other, I mean, what sort of organizations can people contact if they uh, need a bit of uh, mental support? Right, okay. Now, there is a hotline organization and there is also another, like, emotional world, like, wellness helpline that people can call like um you know there's a group of um you know a counselor you know like and counselor service they receive the call and then if after assessment if you need further service and there will be some uh, professional service that can help you um you know it's free service for people you know um who have crisis uh, for instance uh, in crisis in hong kong and uh, there are also various other hotlines that people can help and just one thing to remember you know, whenever you have, you know, those signs and symptoms of distress, just remember you're not alone. There are always people who can help you. As long as you raise up your hands and people can help you. All right. And just uh, very, very quickly, Mr. Lee, I have an email here from a listener and uh, he wants to know, um, well, I don't know if you can uh, share your view on this. He said, uh, I was shocked by the lack of redundancy in the safety systems during this accident. No single point of failure, a cable snapping, should have allowed such a catastrophic event. The uh, remaining suspension cable should have been sufficiently strong to hold the screen. Um, Mr. Lee, were you were you as surprised as, uh, as our listener? when you first heard about this uh, this accident? Yes, we are very surprised because of the safety. We have um, a very clearly manual for 
every machine, every design, and we we believe that um, if the design is following the manual which provided by the government, this accident will not happen. All right, so Mr. Lee, we'll have to leave it here for now. Thanks again for joining us this morning. And that's Sonic Lee, a representative from the Hong Kong Theatre Arts Practitioners Union. Also, many thanks to Dr. May Lam, a psychiatrist, and also the chair of the Hong Kong Mental Wellness Association. It's now 17 minutes past nine, and it's time for us to move on to our next topic today. And it's about the return of the Hong Kong Rugby Sevens in November, for the first time since 2019. To tell us more, we're joined by the Sports Commissioner, Yung Tak Ko. Good morning, Mr. Yeung. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the program. So this must be great news for Hong Kong. Yeah, we are well glad to see the return of the Rugby Sevens. So um, we are all, you know, uh, working hard to prepare for the event, and hopefully it can uh, successfully held uh, by November. All right. So, so what factors were actually considered by the government in uh, giving approval for organisers to host the event? Well, of course, it's the uh, pandemic situation uh, because, uh, well, as you just said, uh, in the past two years, the rugby sevens uh, could not be held because of the uh, um, serious situation uh, uh, of the pandemic. Uh, but now um, the pandemic situation uh, has stabilized. So uh, we have been in this discussion with the rugby union uh, uh, in the past two months on various measures to, uh, to you know, to bring back the rugby seven to Hong Kong. Um, actually, in uh, 2021, um, there were two international sports events uh, held in Hong Kong. That was the, uh, you know, first of, first of all was the, uh, the Cycling uh, World Cup, and the second one was the uh, um, uh, AFC Cup football matches. So we have um, successful experience in uh, hosting international events uh, after uh, the f- fourth wave of the uh, pandemic. So we are now after the fifth wave of the pandemic. So uh, we we start looking into the uh, various measures, uh, what we can learn from the events last year, and uh, so we have worked out uh, a set of uh, protocols uh, with the rugby unions, and uh, uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, uh, do the event uh, with appropriate measures this time. And uh, that includes, first of all, there will be a sports bubble for all the players and. Uh, overseas officials. So um, before they came to Hong Kong, they need to take the PCR test. And uh, when they arrive at the airport, they need to do another PCR test. And if both tests are negative, then uh, they will be uh, 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 taken into the hotel, uh, for a uh, quarantine hotel. So uh, that will form a sports bubble. Yeah, Mr. Young, uh, in, yeah. in other locations around the world where the sevens has, have been held in the last two years and are going to be held again for this season? Is PCS, PCR tests a requirement for all the players? Well, in Hong Kong, of course, we have our own set of um, precautionary measures right. and uh, and health measures. So uh, that uh, so uh, of course there are uh, other measures in uh, in other countries, but in Hong Kong, uh, we think um, our proposed measures are appropriate. And uh, for the for from the public health angles, and also to protect uh, the uh, safety and health of the players, and also uh, uh, the staff, and also the spectators. So, the sports bubble you're talking about will be uh, will just be for the players and the coaches, or will it will it also be for um, local staff who will be working at the event as well? Well, if the staff, the local staff, they will have uh, close contact with the players, 
they uh, and uh, and they need to say uh, go into the sports bubble. Then they need to follow uh, the uh, the uh, uh, health uh, uh, restrictions. It's going like the players themselves. Right. It's going to be quite a slim down uh, sevens, isn't it? it well, there won't be any women uh, matches. Uh, there won't be mini rugby for the for the children. It would just be the adults, the uh, adult well, males. Uh, well, uh, well, in the past we have the uh, uh, women's event, but this year we'll, uh, there will only be the men's event. It depends on the, how and, and and what the rugby unions think they can handle. So it's not a restriction set by the government. All right, it's, uh, a, it's a plan worked out by the government and the rugby union. But there is a, a ban on interaction between the players in the bubble and ordinary men and women and children in Hong Kong. Well, it's not a ban. Actually, uh, this, that, that is the necessary measures to protect uh, the public and also the players themselves. Well, there's a health measure that Hong Kong has got that, it, that it's yeah, yeah, putting that, on that, the that event. Is, that is a sports bubble uh, uh, in Hong Kong that, uh, under which we think uh, the sports, uh, international sports event uh, can be held uh, safely. All right. Uh, Mr. Young, I have a message here from one of our listeners, Richard. He says, uh, can you please ask the sports commissioner to have a guess at how many teams will be able to afford quarantine hotel expenses for four or five or seven days for a three-day tournament? I'd also like to know how many international rugby fans the sports commissioner expects if there is any quarantine in place. And uh, that is from Richard. um, What's your reaction or what's your response, Mr. Young? According to the rugby union, there will be 16 teams, including the Hong Kong team and 15 overseas teams. And uh, for the quarantine hotel, all the expenses uh, will be paid by the organiser. You raise a very good point there, Mr. Young, because in the past, the Rugby Sevens has been the big revenue generator for the rugby union. And the profits from the Rugby Sevens have been used to train uh, children, the future Hong Kong rugby team, if you like, right the way through from age six up, up to adulthood um, with coaches and so on, made available and supported the rugby union. It's, it's got to be a big bite in their profits. It, it, they may not make one. Will the government consider financial support this time? Well, even in the past, uh, we provide funding support to the Rugby 7 events. So this time, again, we will provide funding support. And uh, for the financial plan, um, well, I understand the Rugby Union, they have studied uh, the financial side and think the, uh, the event is feasible. And that's why they want to go ahead. Right. And Mr. Young, uh, rugby fans will be allowed at the three-day tournament, right? Yeah. So, so how many will be allowed in the stadium? Well, according to the current rules, um, say, uh, in our sta- uh, football stadiums and, and other uh, uh, sports venues, um, the maximum capacity is 80% of the uh, sitting capacity. So um, if uh, the uh, current rule uh, still applied in November, then in the Hong Kong stadium, so the, the maximum capacity will be uh, over um, uh, 30,000 per day. So for the three-day events, uh, it can be up to uh, 100,000. Right. And will they, will they be able, uh, allowed to eat or drink during the event? Well, the current rule is that um, spectators, uh, they can drink because drinking is necessary. Um, but uh, they are not allowed to eat. Uh, they need to go to the eating outlet to, uh, to consume food. But they can, they can drink at the stand. In the past, you've been able to uh, take food 
uh, around different parts of the stadium. Are you, are you saying that that won't be allowed this year? Well, as I said, according to current rule, um, uh, drinking is allowed at the spectator stands in our stadium, but not eating. Uh, because, well, uh, for eating, uh, you, you know, you, you, you need to take off your mask, and we want to reduce and minimize the mask-off activities at this particular uh-huh. sense. So, in fact, then, uh, most of these 30,000 people are going to be wearing their masks most of the time? Yeah, yeah, that is the current rule. Well, if the pandemic situation allows, um, then there may be changes in the rules. I think... But, uh, yeah, that, that's the rule at the moment, and that is... Uh, Agreed with the right. uh, with the rugby I'm, union. I'm sure they said. I'm sure they said yes. How is it going to be enforced? Well, um, of course. Well, we want the uh, spectators to observe the rules themselves, and also there will be a uh, the rugby union will send people around to remind people to put back their mask after drinking. <laughs> All right, uh, let's, uh, I just want to ask you something about uh, what the uh, Chief Executive Officer of the Hong Kong Rugby Union, Robbie uh, McRobbie, said uh, earlier. He said the decision to go ahead with the Rugby Sevens, uh, it sends an important message to the international community that Hong Kong was back in business. Do you agree, Mr. Young? Well, uh, I agree with uh, uh, what uh, Robbie said because uh, I, I know uh, Rugby Seven uh, is a very popular event, both in Hong Kong and overseas. So uh, uh, many people, you know, uh, uh, would like to come to, come to Hong Kong again to watch the Rugby Sevens. So uh, we we are glad that uh, it can be uh, held uh, again this year. And uh, so, if the... and and also and also many many other international sports events are also under planning at the stage. So hopefully by the end of the year we will have more uh, sports events in Hong Kong. Right, that's what I was about to ask you. I was about to say if the Rugby Sevens can go ahead, uh, what's the chance of other sporting events uh, taking place this? year for example the hong kong masters uh, snooker tournament it, it will will that likely take place in october uh well actually the uh, uh hong kong snooker masters they uh they they are in more advanced stage and uh, and and actually we uh, look at uh, each case uh um, you know on on its own circumstances um, for the snooker t- tournament it involves less number of players and uh, and also it is a non-contact sport so the um, health and precautionary measures uh, would not be the same as the Rugby Seven. So uh, and and I I, I don't think uh, the Rugby Seven events uh, would be a very uh, would be very similar to to the snooker, and right. they are actually very different. Yeah, but Mr. Young, if I'm sitting overseas with a, I'm fascinated by these events. I want to go to them. In, in my own case, I've been to the Rugby Sevens in Hong Kong every year since it's been held. Uh, I remember the first one in 1976. So it's a very emotional thing for me and welcoming back. But tourists won't be able to come, will they? Well, uh, if uh, there are, there will be overseas uh, spectators, as, uh, say, uh, as you said, the tourists uh, would like to come to Hong Kong to see the event, they would need to observe um, the uh, quarantine requirements right. uh, no, nobody's going to go for quarantine for seven days in order to watch an event for three days. It's uh, well, simply not going to happen. Well, as you may know, um, um, the government is considering um, uh, the uh, quarantine requirements, whether it can be uh, changed, um, say, uh, to, to, to shorten the, the uh, quarantine uh, number of days for quarantine. But, so, um, but we are the only well, place on the circuit which has quarantine. 
Um, well, Los Angeles uh, doesn't have I, quarantine. I, London doesn't have quarantine. Australia doesn't well, have quarantine. South Africa doesn't have quarantine. We are the only city on the circuit which has quarantine. Yeah, that is the special circumstances in Hong Kong. We need to keep. Uh, we we need to, you know, uh, uh, take a balance uh, between the, um, you know bringing back sports event and also protecting public health. Right, and I well, think uh, that is that is the most appropriate uh, that, way. That to is get, our, our assessment you know, to, to of the balance. To get the events back to Hong Kong. Well. All right. So just just uh, very, very briefly, Mr. Young, um, you, you mentioned, I mean, you talked about the Hong Kong Masters earlier. So so has it been confirmed that it will take place in October? And uh, do you know who will be attending, who will be uh, participating? Well, the Snooker Association, they are still working on it. They have uh, uh, sent out invitations to, to the players and uh, they are waiting for the response. But um, basically, they, they, want, they, they very much want to go ahead and we are helping them. All right, uh, Mr. Yeung, we'll have to leave it here for now. Hopefully you will be able to uh, give us another update closer to the date. Thanks again for joining us this morning. That's uh, the Sports Commissioner, Yeung Tak Kung. Many thanks also to you who commented or emailed back chat today. And of course, to my co-host, Mike Rouse and my producer, Yuki. Now here's the weather. It'll be fine and very hot. The very hot weather warning is in force. Highs today expected of around 34 degrees in the urban areas. Winds light to moderate southwesterlies. And the outlook, very hot again tomorrow, showers and thunderstorms later this week. Right now it's 31 degrees, relative humidity 67%. The elderly are at high risk of life-threatening conditions from COVID-19. The virus can damage one's heart, lungs and brain. It may cause multiple organ failure that requires intubation in an ICU. After effects can hamper a recovery. Vaccines reduce risks of serious illness, hospitalization, and death. Experts advise that any elderly person who has had a flu shot can safely receive COVID-19 vaccines. Get vaccinated early. It's 9.30, the news with Andrew Shirovsky. Thank you, Janice. The Hong Kong Rugby Union says it expects there will be fewer overseas visitors